welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 25th of September 2016, entitled True Harvest Thanksgiving, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. Father, as we gather together in your house today, Lord, on this special day that has been set aside to focus upon the giving of thanks, Lord, we recognize that this is something that has been done by people in different ways since the very beginning of mankind. Lord, as we bring our thanks before you today, I pray, Lord, that as we now take this time to look into your word, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that we would be reminded this day of just, just what a blessed people that we really are. Help us, Lord, to recognize the many, many, many blessings that are ours. And may we truly, as this verse has just said, may we give you the praise and the glory that it might redound to your glory because we recognize that all good gifts are from above. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. A harvest festival, of course, is an annual celebration that occurs around the world, usually at the time of the main harvest that is being given. Of course, different climates and crops around the world, harvest festivals take place at different times of the year in different places, but it's typically a time when thanking our God, in our case, and many thanking false gods even, for the plenty that he's brought in, the crops that have been come, it's usually a, a time of feasting, both public and, and, and with homes, with foods that are drawn from the crops that have been harvested. And of course, we find that in Great Britain, thanks have been given for successful harvest since, since pagan times, before that they were even told the good news of, of Christianity and what Christ had done for them. It's traditionally been held on that first Sunday closest to the harvest moon, which occurs closest to the autumn equinox, which is around the 22nd or 23rd of September, and it's been celebrated here for all these years around that time. Usually it'll end up always in late September or early October. Of course, for the Christians, it usually is a time of singing some of the hymns as we have sung this morning, a time of praying and giving God thanks for all that he's done, a time of decorating the churches as you see before you today to remind us of all the bounty that God has given to us to meet our needs, the food, the fruit. Harvest festival, harvest home, harvest Thanksgiving, harvest festival of Thanksgiving, they're all terms that have been used through time and are still used today. And of course, in Britain and in some of the places of their great influence in the English Caribbean and places like that, chapels and schools, people began to bring their produce in from the garden and their allotments, and 
They would bring them in and it would be distributed amongst the, the poor and the senior citizens of the local community or sometimes used to raise funds to send for the needs abroad in, in other places. We find that the modern British tradition that we have that is normally takes place in most churches, sometime towards the latter part of the early part of, of latter September and early October, credits given to Reverend Hawker, Robert Hawker in 1843 when for the first time he invited the parishioners to come in for a special Thanksgiving service down in Morwenstow in Cornwall. They sang a lot of the old Victorian hymns, We Plow the Fields and Scatter. The one you sang earlier, Come Ye Thankful People, Come, All Things Bright and Beautiful. There was a lot of Dutch and German influence from harvest hymns that were translated into English, and it began to spread. And within the next 10 years, there were other places that began to pop up in, uh, in, in Norfolk and other places in the country, and, and it just spread throughout the, the country and, of course, was exported to many other places. It was the Pilgrim Fathers that went across to North America, and today the celebrations that are, that are held in Canada and the USA and all those places is a result of that being taken across to them. But harvest didn't begin with the pagans. And harvest didn't begin with this preacher down in Cornwall, though we're grateful for the tradition that he brought into the church. And some said that he and the pastors in Norfolk and all of these, that part of the reason that they saw that great need was because that they realized that, uh, it's all right, brother, if it's God, you can answer it. If it's not, tell them to call back later. We don't want to, uh, to deprive God, but... Uh, but Thanksgiving is a time that, even as we look back into scriptures, in actual fact, Thanksgiving begins and ends with God for us. We find that it was, in fact, if you look into your Old Testament, you'll find a couple of terms there for the Jewish holiday called Sukkot, S-U-K-K-O-T. And in the Bible, it's called the Feast of Ingathering, Ingathering, the Feast of the, the Harvest, or sometimes it's called the Feast of Tabernacles, or sometimes the Feast of Booze, because these tabernacles, it became a time when the Jewish emphasis began to be placed upon the 40 years of wondering and how God had met their needs and all of that. And of course, it was a feast that God had prescribed for them to hold every year, and they would build these booths that they would literally live in during this uh, seven, eight-day festival that they would have, and of course, as they celebrated that time, it was a reminder to them of God's care upon them, what God had done for them, and to this day, the Jews still celebrate those festivals today. But I'd like for you to turn back in your Bibles and, of course, just be reminded, first of all, this morning is as we think of harvest, that harvest originates with God. It originates with God. Look back in Genesis chapter 1, and let us be reminded that any harvest is a result of God's hand. God created it in the first place, 
And even as we sing, sometimes God recreates through those seeds, season after season after season. In Genesis chapter 1, he tells us in verse 11, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. The truth is, is that God did bring it forth. It says in verse 12, And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. So on the third day of creation, God created all of that vegetation that is out there And God created it in a way. He spoke it into existence, and it was, and it happened. And those seeds, season after season after season, you plant an orange seed, you get an orange tree that produces oranges, and it produces more orange seeds, and those seeds produce more, and it produces year after year after year. Harvest from the very beginning is completely of God. Of course, we won't take and and read it again this morning, but we know that in Genesis chapter 3 that there was this terrible thing that happened to God's creation. Remember, when God created life, there was only life. There was no death. None of the trees died. None of the plants died. Even man didn't die. Nothing died. Everything was created with life. But in Genesis chapter 3, there was that little thing called sin, that entered in. And the Bible says when sin came, then death came with it. That's when death was introduced. Why? Because sin is the one thing that separates his creation from God. It separates us from him. Sin is the thing that's in between. Sin is that thing that keeps us from being able not only to be in the presence of God and remember, life is only with God. That's the only place that life exists. That's where it originates. That's where it exists for all of eternity. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from life. You see, it's not God that kills us. It's our sin that kills us. God wants to give us life. God wants us to come to him. God wants us to be with him. But we find that it not only affected us, it not only separated us from God, but when sin entered in, That curse came upon all of creation. We find that it was only then that plants, fruit, vegetable, animals, everything else just like us, death became a part of that regular cycle. But what we've got to remember is then God told us that as a result of that sin, that yes, man was going to have to work the sweat of his brow, the thorns, it's all as a result of sin. In the beginning, it just yielded the fruit and it was there. But because of sin, man has to work more. You know, with all of man's work, it's still only God that brings the increase. Life only exists with God in anything that's alive. I don't care what it is. Life originates with God and from God So for thousands of years of history, mankind has been having harvest festivals as a celebration. But I want you to keep in mind that no matter how hard that we work, and yes, we do have to work hard, and though that 
Most of us do not go out and grow our own vegetables and raise our own animals and do all of these things ourselves today. We go out and we work the sweat of our brow and we get money in return and then we go down and buy it from the store where somebody else has raised it, processed it, put it there for us. Sometimes we find that we can just lose sight of the fact that the only reason we have it is because of God. This display that's before us, none of that would be there without God. Nothing would live without God. Nothing could exist without God. So I want to remind you this morning, true harvest thanksgiving begins and ends with God. Harvest originates with God, and thanksgiving is offered to God. If it originates with him, if all life comes from him, then he is the one that deserved the things. Our text, which you see on the screen before you, says all things are for your sakes. Isn't that amazing? Everything that God created, everything that exists, everything that's out there, he says it's, it's for your sakes. He did it for you. He made this place as beautiful. And, you know, we go to these awe-inspiring places and we, we see some of his creation sometimes that's just mind-boggling. It, it can make us gasp and it could put us at a loss for words and explanation. But he says that it's all for you. God made it all for you and for your sakes for a reason. He says that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, Redound to the glory of God. We see all the beauty of this world. But if we truly have a harvest thanksgiving, if we truly thank God, we realize it's all of God. And God did it all for us, for us, so that we, when giving our thanks and our praise to him, it says that our thanksgiving would redound to the glory of God. Let us not get sidetracked to recognize and think that the food in our table, the homes, the roofs over our heads, all the things that God has blessed us with, that we did it ourselves. Folks, this day, let's be reminded, God gave us life. And God gave us everything around us. He gave it to us so that when we recognized and gave him thanks for it, it would bring glory back to him. It's all for you, for your enjoyment, for your life, for his glory. You find that the term most used in Scripture for this glory that we talk about and this grace, notice he says, the abundant grace through the thanksgiving of many. It's this grace that's working through us. The term grace there, which in the Greek is the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. And it's interesting if you start looking at what that word really means, this grace that has been given to us. You see, it's the grace of God that is found in Jesus Christ. It's God's grace, okay? God's grace that's found in Jesus Christ operating in the soul of the believer because Christ is within us. God's grace in Christ, operating in us, in our hearts, in our souls, the very principle of then that bringing gratitude back to him. 
We don't deserve it, in other words. We don't have all of this because we're such fantastic people or because that we deserve it for some reason. It all comes back to God's grace. Everything that lives comes from him, and he's given it to us for our lives, for our enjoyment. He's given it to us that we may recognize by the grace of God that lives within us. And there is something very important about that because I know a lot of people and I know a lot of good people that are, that are not believers, that are not born-again Christians. Now, yes, they can be thankful and gracious in things, but the only way that we can truly offer God the thanks that he deserves is as a believer when it's the grace of God living in us, in Christ that dwells within us, offering gratitude back to the God that created it all because the unbeliever can never truly, truly grasp the fact that everything that he is and everything that he has comes from God. All good gifts are from him. So therefore, until a person truly comes to know and have Jesus Christ in their lives, it's not that they can't be grateful, but they can never know the depth of gratitude that a Christian can when he understands, but by God's undeserved grace, we have life, we're here, we exist, and God has given us everything around us that that we may enjoy this life. He wants us to enjoy it. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to know that unspeakable joy that you can't even explain. But he wants, and it's only when the grace of God is working in our souls that that gratitude back to him becomes, it should become natural. It should be an actual fruit of the spirit that lives within us. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. It can't be separated. And in fact, it comes to us through Christ because it's only through Christ that we can do away with that sin that happened back there that messed up all of his creation. It's only through that that we can come back into God's presence. Only then, with Christ living within us, that we can know that. Only then can we truly begin to put into practice a lot of these things that we read in scriptures, one of the passages in scripture that I often write in people's Bibles, I guess that when I was going to a lot of churches and preaching in a lot of different churches, it was not uncommon for a lot of the, the, the children to come up and want you to just sign your name and, and give them a scripture verse in the, one of the leaves of their Bible or whatnot. And it's this passage here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that I would awful, often write for them there. Beginning in verse 16, it says, Rejoice evermore. Rejoice all the time. Rejoice always. Verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Talk to God all the time. Rejoice. Be in a rejoiceful mood and, and praying and talking to God. And I said, you know, okay, that don't mean drive down the street with your eyes closed saying God is great, God is good. It means to continually in your heart without ceasing. Be so close to God 
that you don't have to start trying to sort things out in your life because he's there and you know that he's there. But you've allowed these things to get in and you can't pray because you're not right with this person over there. You've done something over there. You've got all these things. In other words, he's saying, be walking so close to God that you're walking down the street hand in hand and all you got to do is just reach over and say, right there. He's right there with you. Talk to God. You know, there's nothing that you do in your life that he doesn't care about. Everything that you see around you, God has given it for you. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Verse 18 says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. Do you realize that only a Christian can truly give God thanks for the bad things in his life? You say, whoa, when things are tough, when things seem to be going wrong. But you see, we can still be grateful. We can find the good in there. Because Romans 8.28 says, all things... All things are for your sakes. <laughs> All things God has given to you for your blessing, for your joy. But with the grace of God, when Christ is living within you, it's an automatic response of that gratitude to God because everything you are is due to him. In everything, give thanks. All things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. I promise you, his purpose for you is that you be alive. He's given everything to you. He wants you to have life. He wants you to enjoy it. And you know that the bad thing, I gave an illustration in one of the sermons that I preached while I was back in the States, and I can't remember if I've told it to you here or not before, but... The truth is, is that we look around at humanity, we can see some pretty God-awful things. We can see some of the things that man is, is, is capable of. You know, some of our young people here had the chance when we went on the trip two different times to Terrazin and to Auschwitz to see some of the concentration camps and see the depths of man's depravity. You know, I, I can't even think about it. It's not something that I can say is a joy to see, but I can't even think about it without recognizing the depths that man can go, but the love of God and his grace that is with us. You know, how in the world could you give thanks in something like that? <laughs> and I remember reading the story of the young lady called Rachel. And she was in one of those camps, and I think it was Auschwitz, if I remember correctly, And because really, Theresen was a place, sort of a transit place on their way to Auschwitz where many of them were had their lives taken from them. And she was there, and she saw people being taken all the time, being taken away and, and not returning. And she knew that her time was getting short. And she had kind of scurried away, and she was hiding off in a corner, and and she just knew that this was almost it. I mean, I can't even begin to comprehend knowing, seeing the people around you gradually taken, 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 knowing that your time is coming. 
Jesus said, then one day, one day, suddenly the guards weren't there. They were just gone. But she was afraid to move out of her corner where she was scurrying and holding herself. And she stayed that way for a day. And the, and the next day, there was suddenly an American soldier that came through the door, and she didn't know what was going on. She didn't realize the war was over. The guards had gone because the war had finished. And she said this soldier just opened the door for her and said, after you, ma'am. And she broke down. She couldn't remember the last time anybody had done anything nice for her. And the story goes on to show how to, she had to have reached the depth of fear and at the end of man's depravity in this world. And yet that day, out of all that horror, time went on, she stayed in contact with that young soldier. <laughs> and eventually they became husband and wife. They had a family. And it all grew out of that. And out of the very worst experience of her life came everything that she knew as a life after that that meant the most to her. Folks, I don't know what bad things you might go through. I don't know what tough things you might have to face. But I do know this. You see, that's why that I can. I don't, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand why this is so hard. But I know you're going to bring something good for it. You're not going to let it happen without something good coming from it. He doesn't promise that everything in our lives will be good, but he promises, and if we know that God's in control, we know that he's going to bring something out of it. Only a Christian can know how to give that kind of things because only, him, only he or she can understand how much gratitude that we really, truly owe to our God. And, of course, that word that is translated as thanksgiving there in most of those places is Eucharistia or Eucharistia. And we find that it literally is an expression of joy from the depths of our heart heavenward to the God that deserves it all. He tells us in Colossians Colossians chapter 2, and in verse 7, he says, rooted and built up in him. You see, when we come to Christ, all of our roots, all of our nourishment, everything about us has, has come from the world. One of the most important things as we become a believer is to become rooted and built up in him, that we're nourished from him that it's him that gives us the food that we need, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, established in your faith, knowing, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. <laughs> Being in Christ, being rooted and built up in him, being established in the faith that we have, giving thanks to him. That's why I say that true harvest thanksgiving begins and ends with God. There would be nothing to give thanks for 
without God. But as a Christian today, you see, if you're not a Christian, I implore you today to accept the greatest gift that he gave you when he created you is to give you the gift of life. It's not because you're different, not because you're worse. It's because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He wants you to have that life. He wants you to enjoy everything and understand all that he's done for you and be able to be grateful even in the very depths of depravity and trials in this world that you can still have an attitude of joy towards him. That's why the Bible talks about a joy that is unspeakable, <laughs> full of glory. Our hearts truly filled with the gratitude towards God for the harvest. So I just wanted to remind you these simple thoughts today that harvest originates with God. Everything that we have to be thankful for comes from Him. Thanksgiving is offered to God. He is the one that deserves it. And it's when we have Christ in our hearts that we can grasp and understand and truly have those hearts of gratitude and understanding just how great His gift is to us. Finally, the end harvest is officiated by God. God's the one that will be on the throne. A couple of passages in Jeremiah chapter 51. Jeremiah chapter 51 and verse 33. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor. It is time to thresh her. Yet a little while, the time of her harvest shall come. If you look back into the last book of your Bible, in the book of Revelation, he talks about that final harvest, that end harvest, which is coming. In Revelation chapter 14, look with me, if you would, down into verse, verse 14. And I looked, behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud, one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat in the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap. For the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. He that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. The angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. The winepress was trodden without the city. The blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse bridles by the space of a 1,600 furlongs. Now, we've discussed these passages before. We're finding here part of the description of what the Bible gives us of the great battle of Armageddon. 
that great battle when Jesus Christ returns with his saints from heaven. And he comes upon this earth, and there is going to be a final harvest, an end harvest. Now, I can promise you that as you look at all these fruits before us, and you look about as you drive down the road at those fields upon fields, it might be grain, it might be vegetables, it might be fruit. But you see, when it comes time for harvest, there's one thing the farmer always has to do. He has to go out and inspect the crop. He has to be ready to harvest the crop when it's ripe, when it's ready to be harvested. We don't know when the end harvest is coming. But here he's speaking of that spiritual harvest, when the end time will come. And of course, when the farmer goes out to inspect the harvest, you know, first of all, there's this general looking at all of the harvests. Is this going to be a good crop or a bad crop? Are we going to get a lot? Or are we going to get a little? But then even after that harvest is harvested, it's not the big general picture of the whole harvest, but it's the individual. You see, before we purchase these things, it had gone through inspections, and it had been inspected that it was fit for its purpose to do what we wanted to do with it. So there's going to be the, the, the great end harvest, and there's going to be this inspection of the harvest, and God himself is the one that is going to do that. We find Jeremiah the prophet also said in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. You see, the thing is, there won't be anything after the harvest. The harvest is the end of the season. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 13, and I give you this last passage of Scripture this morning. In Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 36, then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. In other words, there's this whole field. And growing right alongside of these others, there's, there's the good stuff and there's the tares. And to mine and your eyes, we look and we can't see which is the genuine and which is the false. In this world around us, we look and we can't look at individuals on the outside and know what's the genuine and what isn't, which is the wheat and which is the tares. He says, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father who hath ears to hear. Let him hear. 
Some people find that offensive. But in the end, the tares, the tares will be burned because they're not real. They're not good for you. Say, so how, how, could, how could God do that? How can God not do it? Do you understand? Do you understand that if he left the tares, if he left the unreal, it would spoil the whole? There would be nothing good. There would be no life for anybody. God has given you everything. He's given you life. He's given you everything around you. All things are for your sakes. That the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Do you realize God gave you the life that you have and he gave you everything that you have in this life. But the greatest gift he gave you was the means to overcome that sin that will eventually take that life from you. Why? Not because God wants it, because you don't have God, because your sin has separated you from life. You can't live without him. But when sin came in, death came with it. If God let you and nobody else that was never really saved, that never really had the sin problem taken care of, and he let you stay with the good, then guess what? Death would enter in again. God gives life. It's the absence of life that's death. It's what you automatically have if you don't have life. Nobody's born dead. You can only be born with life at some point, and you die. You say, well, some babies come out of the womb dead. Yes, but they were alive. <laughs> they were alive before they died. And that's why that we believe life begins at inception not nine months later when we enter into this world. Life begins with God. And God wants you to have that life, but there's coming a harvest. And everything's growing together, and we, we can't see. We don't know what the real is and what isn't. Only you know in your heart today. My encouragement to you today, Christians, if you have Christ in your heart, then be reminded of just how gracious and loving that God has been to you and giving that you all that you have, we're taking it for granted. Let this Harvest Thanksgiving Sunday be a time that you truly can rejoice evermore, that you can pray without ceasing, that in everything you can give thanks because of the Christ in your heart. If you're here today and you don't have that, why would you want to reject that gift? Everything you have is from God, but he wants to give you the greatest gift. That's why his son came and died for you, to take care of your sin problem. He wants your sin problem to take care of. He paid the price for your sin, but if you reject it, that's yours, not him. He can't allow you to go in with the good crop at the end. The end harvest is coming, and they'll have to be separated and the only way there can be a good harvest is to separate the tares from it. Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, I know that this day of Thanksgiving that we have so much. And Lord, I pray that these three simple thoughts this morning, harvest originates with you. Nothing exists for a harvest without you. 
our thanksgiving is offered to you. You're the one that deserves it all. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us just as this verse before us that, Lord, we might truly. It's the fruit of the Spirit that lives within us when Christ is there that this gratitude comes forth. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be grateful for all your many blessings. Help us, even at the very worst of times, to be able in everything to give thanks because we know we have the faith. Our faith is in you, not in the circumstances, not in man, but we know that all things do work together for good. Father, help us to realize that the end harvest is going to be officiated by you. You're the one that's going to be on the throne. You're the only one that knows the hearts of man. You've pleaded with man. You've died for man. You gave him life in the first place, and when man messed it up with sin, you came back and offered him that life back because you took care of the sin problem. I pray today that if there's one here that's never accepted that life, help them, Lord. Help them in their hearts to grasp and understand the greatest gift of all is theirs to receive if they will but believe. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.